Preacher, how can I know the will of God for my life? And I know we started this a few weeks ago. We didn't finish it. I was in a little bit of a hurry, so I'm just going to start over. And uh, how many of you forgot that one already? Yep, that's okay. But uh, anyway, <laughs> so I'm going to start over with it and not be in too big of a rush as we go through it because it's an important question to try to answer. And we're going to try to give some principles that will help us when it comes to this question of life, this question from the Bible of how can we, how can I know the will of God for my life? And by the way, I like that question. Uh, I like when people ask me, how can I know what God wants me to do here? Or how can I know what, this is what God wants me to do there? I, I do like that question. I can't always answer it for people, but I do like that question because it shows me that individuals that ask that have a great desire, at least it would seem, to do exactly what God wants for them. And that is a great desire. Would you agree? Amen. Amen. All right. And so that's why I appreciate that question. Again, I may not have the answer, but I'm glad we can point to someone, the Lord and His Word, to help us with those answers we have. And so, so this is a great question to, to ask. All right. But we're going to go to Romans chapter 12 this evening. So find your place there. Romans chapter 12. And we'll read verses 1 through 2 here in just a moment. But Romans chapter 12, all right, <clears throat> is where we'll be uh, this evening. Then we'll jump around to a different portion of Scripture as we consider some principles of how to discern the will of God for our life, okay? But look at Romans chapter 12, and starting in verse number 1, Paul writing says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the question this evening is this, how can I know or how can I try to discern the will of God for my life? We'll start this way, all right? Principle number one. We can find the will of God for our life as we are in the pages of Scripture, all right? As we get into the Word of God. Let me ask you a question this evening. How many believe that the Bible is God's holy Word? Let me see your hand. I hope so, all right? Because it is. Uh, the Bible is God's Word. The, the Bible says even of itself in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The Bible is God's Word. And real quick, this word here in 2 Timothy 3.16, when it says in, in, inspiration... That word means God-breathed, or it means God-spirited. So this tells us, as we look at this and consider the word inspiration, that it was the Holy Spirit of God that moved the human penman to write the very words of God that God wanted for us. Uh, just as Jesus even told His disciples that would be the case one day in John 16, 13, when Jesus said, "'How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, is come?' He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He will show you things to come. And again, the, the letters that we're considering on Sunday mornings, the letters of Peter, even Peter would echo that very statement. 
that he heard from the lips of his own Savior when Peter would say in 2 Peter 1.21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Again, that word move carries the idea of being carried, like the wind would push or carry the sails of, of a ship. So that's the idea. So understand, just as God breathed into Adam and he became a living soul, understand God's life-giving breath breathed his word for us. And the words we have, the word of God, is in our words of life. As Jesus said in John 6, 63, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So what I'm trying to get at this evening quickly is this. Understand that this is God's word. He authored this book for you and for me. It is his book. And since it is, then he tells us what to do. He lets us know his will for our life. And in knowing what he's telling us, of course, keeping it in proper context, and doing what he tells us to do by obeying the clear commands he has written for us, then we will know God's will and will be doing God's will. Again, just as Jesus said in John 7, 17, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. So, sometimes though, when it comes to trying to figure out, discern God's will for our life, it can be difficult. And sometimes we want to make it out to be mystical, but it's really not like that all the time. It can be difficult, but not all, always. Because understand God and His love and wisdom has made a lot of things quite plain and clear to us where He wants us to do. Take, for instance, just a few scriptures this evening. And no, as we look at these, it's not an exhaustive list of God's will for your life and mine, okay? But I want to give these scriptures and hope that it'll whet your appetite to dig a little further, to find out what God, as you're searching for God's will in a particular area of life, what He wants for you through and from His Word, all right? But take, for instance, a few verses that are very plain that teach us what God wants for us. For instance... In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 4, we know that it's God's will for every single person to be saved. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2, 4, Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Again, Peter would say, say this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is longsuffering to usward, not willing, he's saying this is his will, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Understand it's God's will for all mankind to be saved. It's his will. And not that false doctrine that's out there is taught, only a, a, a few select people are to be saved. No, no, no. God's will is for everyone to come to repentance. And since that's his will, since that's what he wants, that means for us to get out and give the gospel to as many people as we possibly can, telling them of God's goodness, of His grace, of His sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, of being buried for our sin and raised again the third day. That is God's will. So are you being used of God that way to reach people with the gospel? 
Because I want to tell you something, that's God's will for your life. Let God use you that way. We also know that's God's will, not only for everybody to be saved, but for the saved to be sanctified. Now, we talked a little bit about that this morning. But the Bible says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 through 6, For this is the will of God. What is it? Even your sanctification. He's saying, look, this is the will of God, that you continue to grow in the Lord, that you continue to be set apart to the Lord and from the world. As Peter said even this morning, we saw that we are to be holy, as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Listen, that's what God wants. It's his will. For us to be set apart, to be sanctified. And anything that would hinder your sanctification is outside of God's will. To make sense? Pretty plain, right? As we get into the Word of God, we can see this more clearly. Here's some more. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14 through 22. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and so forth and so on, and even more. We can know what God wants, as we can clearly see from the Word of God. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is, listen, God's will can be found from God's Word, written in black ink on white paper for you and for me. We can know God's Word, or know God's will, because we have God's Word, all right? I understand sometimes it is, can be a little more difficult from time to time. But we'll never know unless, we'll never know, surely we'll never know God's will if we're definitely not in God's Word. So get in it. Can't stress it enough. Get in the Word of God. So how can we discern God's will for our life? Well, from the pages of Scripture. How else can we discern God's will for our life? All right. By praying specifically, okay? Praying specifically. <clears throat> you see, when it comes to prayer, this is where really the rubber meets, uh, meets the road. By praying specific prayers. You see, when we pray, when we talk to God, it shouldn't just be empty words or thoughtless words or, as the Bible says, vain repetitions. You see, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 8, And when thou prayest... Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think they should be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. So I've heard it many times, and I've said it many times myself, that it's not real prayer until it's really specific. And so let me ask you this evening, are you praying? And when you do, is it specifically? What are you specifically praying for? 
What issue may it be? What uh, discerning will for your life are you praying about? Do you call out to God? Are you being specific about it? You see, when I think of specific requests and specific uh, prayers, my mind automatically, and you know this, but it automatically goes to the mighty man of valor, the judge, Gideon himself. You see, Gideon was a simple farmer, uh, yet God saw a mighty man of valor. And he wanted to use him as a judge to deliver his people from the oppression of the enemy. But Gideon, he didn't believe it to be so. He never thought he could be the man for the job. He, he saw no leadership in his, own, in his own self. He didn't see himself as a great leader of men, especially into battle and to fight and deliver people. No, he didn't, never would ever appoint himself or volunteer himself to be such a man, but yet God knew better. God knew his heart, God knew his motive, and God knew he's a mighty man of valor. And so God told him what he wanted, but Gideon, being a little skeptical, probably just scared to death, he did this. The Bible says in Judges chapter 6, verse 36 through 40, And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so. For he rose up early in the morning and thrust the fleece together and wringed dew out of the fleece in a bowl full of water. And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, this once with the fleece. Let, me now, or let it now be dry only upon the fleece and upon all the ground around it. Let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew all on the ground. So what Gideon was doing is saying, Lord, if you really want me to do this, you want me to lead these men into battle and be deliverer of your people, I'm going to have to ask specific requests. I need a specific answer. And if you want me to do this, then Lord, let this fleece, let this rug be wet with the dew of the morning and the dry around it, or the ground around it be dry. Well, that was so. And then again, being a little skeptical, scared, of course, he asked specifically again of the very opposite, and he woke up. The next day, and it was as he asked. And there was no denying that this was God's will for his life because of the specific request that got a specific answer. And what I'm getting at here is this. If you need specific answers, we must ask specifically. I gave his testimony last time, but I'll give it again for some that weren't here. But... Um, when I surrendered to preach, listen, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know much about church and preaching and all of that. I just knew, I believed that God wanted me to, but I was struggling with it. And so I asked God specifically one day. I was going to a youth meeting, and they were going to call preachers from the floor. I'd probably been preaching maybe six months, maybe a year at that time. And, and they were going to call young preachers from the floor. And I said, Lord, if you really want me to be a preacher... When I go to this meeting tonight, they'll ask me to preach. That was my simple, specific request. I went by myself to this meeting and knew some folks there, of course, but went by myself to this meeting. And as I got there and walked in the door, it was filled to the gills. And there was a bunch of preachers there, some good ones too. 
Some I've never seen before, young guys like myself and never heard of. Others I listened to uh, several times at different youth meetings and other, other places and church and whatnot. And I, I was sitting there about the second row from the back as a good Baptist, you know. And I'm like, you know, I, I don't think I'll ever be called to preach out of this meeting. You've got to be kidding me. Some of these guys that are here, they can preach the house down. There's no way they'll ask me to preach tonight. First guy got up and preached, did a good job. Can't remember what he preached on, but he did good, no doubt. But as I was sitting back there contemplating even leaving before he called the next preacher, he got up, David is his name, got up, he's a moderator of the meeting, got up and said, now I don't know why, but I have Philip Luther on my mind this evening. I can't get away from it. You've got to come up here and preach for us this evening. I about passed out on the floor when he said that. And I was like, good night. So I got up there knowing the whole time that it was really just me and God in that moment. It's packed to the gills. That little church was packed, but it's just me and God in that moment. Knowing what I'd ask specifically and how he answered specifically. And that was a, as people say, that was a God moment, you know. And that's what it was for me. But God answered my specific uh, prayer. I'm thankful that he did. I was getting ready to hang it up. But God answered specifically. No one else knew. Nobody knew about that. I didn't tell a soul. Until after the fact, of course. But all I'm saying is this, listen. If you're searching for a specific area of God's will for your life, have you prayed about it? Have you prayed specifically about it? Because He will answer specifically. How else can we discern the will of God? Well, this way. Through the peace of God. The peace of God. Now, the peace of God is an absolute wonderful thing. And many people have tried their very best to write about the peace of God. And as good as they are and as eloquent as they may be, and even some of these guys, great writers, as detailed as they may be, listen, they, they fall short every time describing the peace of God. Why? Because the Bible says it passes all understanding. And though it's very hard to describe it at times, I still like what one author said about the peace of God. He said this. He said, nothing can ruffle the peace of God. It is a calm. That word just just clung to my soul. He said, it's a calm beyond all storms, a rest beyond all strife, a haven beyond all tempestuous seas. The peace of God is majestic and sublime. The peace of God is wonderful, and it is this, is very calming. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had the peace of God to flood your heart and mind? I have. I mean, the very first time it absolutely flooded my soul was the day that I got saved when I asked Jesus to save me. Flooded my heart and mind, and and I couldn't explain the feeling. We don't get saved by our feelings. We know that, but... I couldn't deny it either. I've never had such peace in my heart and life ever until that night when I asked Jesus to save me. It was as if the the weight of the world was off of my shoulders and peace of God calmed, calmed my soul. And ever since then, I've experienced the peace of God in different times and areas and scenarios of, of my life. And through those times, God's peace has guided me God's peace has guarded me and it has calmed me 
And I'm sure many of you can testify to the exact same thing. Listen, God's peace is, is absolutely wonderful and it passes all understanding. But it will keep us. It will guard us and keep us in the will of God. The Bible says this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 through 7, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and, here it is, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall, not it might, not hope it will, but shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And I love this word keep here. This word keep means to guard. It means to protect by a military guard or to prevent a hostile invasion. It's a military term. And for us to, to know God's will, the peace of God, listen, will do just that. It will, it will guide us. It will protect us from making foolish choices. So let me ask you, when you're trying to discern the will of God in your life and you find that God's peace is absent in that decision, wouldn't you think it foolish to proceed? Everybody do like this. Yes. <laughs> if you're trying to discern the will of God and you don't have peace of God about it, don't do it. That's what that means. The peace of God will keep you. It will guard you. It will protect you. Oh, what else is a good principle that we can look at to help us uh, discern God's will for our life. All right, here's another one. Through the people of God, all right? Through people. Uh, let me ask you, when it comes to asking advice or needing advice or needing counsel, do you ask people for that or are you just trying to figure it out on your own? I'd say for most of us, we at least want to ask at least one other person for some advice or counsel or, what, or whatever. We want to be wise in our decisions, so we ask people that are wiser than us when it comes to some of those decisions. But when it comes to the will of God and asking counsel of others, here is the key, I believe. Asking counsel and wisdom, advice from godly people, from people that you know walk with God, from people that you know Pray from people that you know are just faithful. I'm talking about godly individuals. That's the key when you ask advice, when it comes to finding the will of God for our lives. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs eleven fourteen: Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 12 and verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Proverbs 15, 22. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Proverbs 19, 20 through 21. Hear counsel and rece receive instruction, that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, thou shalt stand. In Proverbs 24, 6. For by wise counsel, thou shalt make thy war. And in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. And the psalmist in Psalm 1 verse 1 says this, that the blessed man, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Meaning you can find anybody to give you counsel, and even people to agree with you, but it doesn't mean that they're godly, right? So be careful where you take your advice and counsel from. Make sure it's from a godly individual. I believe that God puts people in our lives and He will use them. He will use them. 
to help us, to guide us, to instruct us. I believe it wholeheartedly. I'm thankful for people that God's put in my life who has helped me through different decisions of life and guided me as I've asked counsel from many people, much wiser than me, older than me, even some younger than me. But I'm thankful for the people that God has put in my life. And I'm sure you are as well, that you've gotten great, wise counsel from. And then I want to see this, all right? I want to see another principle, how God can, what God can use and how He can use it to, to discern the will of God for our lives, all right? Here it is. Through the person of the Holy Spirit. Understand God will lead us into His will for our lives by the Holy Spirit of God. We just need to be sensitive to His leading. Take, for instance, the time when Paul, in his life, in Acts chapter 16. Uh, don't turn there for this evening, for time's sake, but you can look at it later if you like. But in Acts chapter 16, this portion of Scripture, we find that Paul was on his second missionary journey <clears throat> with Silas. And they came to the area of Lystra. And there they met a, met a young man by the name of Timotheus. It was Timothy, we know him to be. And while, he was, while they were there in that area, they were preaching and establishing Churches reaching people with the gospel. And the Bible says that the number of believers increased daily. And uh, Paul and Silas were doing, no doubt, a lot of great things for the Lord. And they wanted to continue that work for God on down the road into Asia. And here's what the Bible says in Acts 16, verse 6 through 11. Now, when they had gone throughout uh, Phrygia and region of Galatia, they were forbidden or denied, prevented. They were forbidden of the Holy Ghost who preached the word in Asia after they had come to... Uh, mm, these words are hard. My, mm-hmm. um, it's not Asia, but it starts with the M. So Mesia. Okay, we'll do that one. All right. And they say they desired, they tried to press to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not, meaning didn't allow them to. And they passing by, uh, Mysia came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, there stood a man of Macedonia, prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen a vision, immediately we endeavored to go to Macedonia, surely gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So, but in this moment, Paul was preaching the gospel, preaching the word of God, starting churches, leading people to Jesus, doing the will of God, and had a great desire to continue that work into Asia, but the, but the Bible says, as they say, they endeavored to get into Asia. They aspired to get into Asia. They essayed. The Bible says that the Lord forbid them to go. The Holy Spirit stopped them from going. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, God, their God's will for their life, God had different plans for Paul and Silas because he wanted them to go into Macedonia which would be on on the continent of Europe. I'm thankful that God redirected them in that moment to go to Europe. You know why? I'm of European descent, all right? And they got the gospel. Because of that, we have the gospel here in America today. I'm thankful for that. And God directed them. But how did the Lord direct Paul and Silas? How did, he, how did He show them God's will for their life? Well, by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, unfortunately today, many people say, well, 
They'll say they're following the Spirit when in actuality they are just following their own feelings, their own flesh, their own wisdom, their own desires, and yet they'll call it. I'm just following the Lord. Listen, if somebody goes against the clear teaching of the Word of God, goes against great godly counsel, and people are not praying, they go against it all, and they say, I'm just following the Lord. You know what I'm going to call on that one? Hogwash. That's what I'm calling on that one, all right? They say, no way. I just don't believe that. Because understand, the Holy Spirit will not lead someone to do something that's contrary to God's Word. Amen. He's not going to do it. He's not going to lead someone to do something contrary to His Word. It will not happen. Also, if in a multitude of counselors there is safety, as the Bible says, in a multitude of godly people, the people that have been placed in their lives, these folks are saying the exact same thing, giving the exact godly counsel. All those people can't be wrong, Right? And if we're going to go against that good counsel, godly counsel, right counsel, biblical counsel, an excuse for going against biblical counsel is, well, I know what you're saying, but I just believe it's what the Lord wants me to do. I just don't know about that. Because listen, God will not lead us contrary to His Word. I believe the Holy Spirit gets to blame for too many things He didn't do. Because <laughs> we're trying to spiritualize our circumstances. Understand. Too many times it happens. However, I still believe 100% that God does lead His people through the leading of the Holy Spirit of God that indwells every believer. And we need to be sensitive, sensitive to Him and make sure it's the Lord. Make sure it's the Holy Spirit. As John said in 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits where they are of God because many false prophets are gone into the world. Make sure it's the Holy Spirit that actually is leading you and guiding you because He does and He will. And I'm thankful for that. So I understand that sometimes it can be tough to discern the will of God for our lives. But other areas and other times it is absolutely black and white. It's cut and dry. We see it from the Word of God. We can see what He wants for us. So maybe you're wondering, how can I discern the will of God? Well, do this. Search the Scriptures. Do this. Pray specifically. Do this. Allow the peace of God to guard you, to keep you, to guide you. Take advice. Take godly counsel and godly wisdom from godly people. And be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I believe if we apply these principles to our lives, I believe that will help us. And discerning the will of God for our lives. I hope that helps you this evening. If you have other questions, I want you to write them down. We'll try to answer them the best that we can, all right? But I believe this is an important one to know. Allow these principles to help you to discern the will of God for